don't do things very formally so I was just asking the man of God should I introduce you or do you want to just come up and take it and let thunder and lightning start to happen <laughs> so um, I thought I would just say this I really believe God's about to speak to us prophetically and give us guidance and um, Gary Beaton this house speaks highly of you and we appreciate you and um, I just want to say it in front of everybody you free to preach as long as you need to preach and to give us whatever God told you to give us no holding back so can you guys just welcome Gary Beaton thank you praise God it's a joy to see your faces today This is, this is one of the oldest Bibles I have. I love it. God's so faithful, and I just have to tell you what an incredible honor it is to be here today. Um, I've been related to this church for very many years, and uh, I'm just so grateful for Pastor David to invite me uh, to come. Well, he's in Washington. He's having an amazing time with the North Georgia Revival baptisms <laughs> on the mall. It's historic, I'm telling you. On the mall, that's historic right now. And 
it's historic here in this house. What God's begun to do in this house is historic. Um, you know, I think it was, I'm trying to look back, I think it was May 30th of this year. Uh, I had a dream. It, you know, it was a night vision, an encounter in the night. Sometimes it's not easy, it's not clear whether uh, it's a dream, but it's like more than a dream. But I was standing here in the field, in the meadow, um, not far from the platform out here. And there were probably 100, 150 people gathered in front of the platform. This was vivid. The grass was tall. Um, it was a sunny, a gorgeous day. I call it a Carolina blue sky. Um, just beautiful. And uh, But I was heralding a message. I had this burning in me. I had a burning in me to get this exclamation out of me to those that were standing here listening. And <laughs> it was... Um, be expectant of the angel that stirs the water. Be expectant of the angel that stirs the water. I am screaming this in the field out here. So people would hear and understand. You know, I'm just there and that's what the Lord's giving me to proclaim. An expectancy, a burning expectancy that the Lord is about to move. And even in those days, uh, I don't know, months before David and I had talked a, a few times, we could tell there was a, a stirring, an expectancy of God moving. And, you know, you can never put your finger on it exactly. He loves surprises. But I have to tell you, I called him, I FaceTimed him. Um, couple mornings later and said, David, I had this encounter, you know, this experience, and I believe it's for the gathering. I believe it's for you guys. I believe the Lord wants you to be expectant of the angel that stirs the water. And I have to tell you, I absolutely believe that's what's happening with these baptisms. It's just not just a neat move of God. It is a move of God. But the angels are involved. I want to encourage you with that. I want to encourage you, have, if you haven't been baptized yet, to get baptized in it. It's not about angel worship. We're not here to worship angels. They're messengers. They're lovely. They're beautiful. They're creations. They're incredible. But we're here only to seek and serve Jesus Christ, the Lamb. But he sends them as these marvelous messengers to trumpet calls. But he's personalized it for this place. Now, I'm sure through all the years of being here, I can't even... You know, if there were books of all the prophecies, I, it probably couldn't fit on a platform. You know? <laughs> Just about this one place. And I know this, the Lord's already showed me long before that of the work he's going to do here and what he's preparing to do here now. 
he's preparing to to bring uh, to bring a lot of people here. And I've seen visions of this meadow full of people, full of young people. Like you can't take it in kind of what that is. It's hard to express. And only the power of God's going to do that. And this is a quiet kind of place to live here, you know. And a lot of people don't like change. Well, that sounds all great, but we're not sure about that. <laughs> well, God's going to do a powerful work. The seeds have been planted long ago. So, I don't know. Have, have any of you heard me before? Live, a few of you. I'll tell you a little bit about me. Could I get a... Oh, here it is. Hold on. Okay. I'm just going to share a little bit this morning on perspectives. Just thoughts the Lord's given me. I, I ponder a lot. I meditate a lot on the Word. I meditate a lot on, on the Lord, on my relationship with Him, on wisdom in seeking Him. You know, I reflect a ton. And, you know, if people know me, I, I love to have a lot of fun. But I'm actually pretty serious, too. You know, I'm pretty serious about the things of God. Because with him, you know, he created us all with our own personality. But I know I'm a watchman. I'm called to be a watchman in this hour for the church. And to have messages that help wake us up. And help keep us awake. Because the days are short and Jesus Christ is returning soon. And some don't even believe he's returning anymore. They don't believe in judgment anymore, that he is the judge and he's coming to judge the nations. But he is. The truth is the truth. And all the false doctrine in the world is not going to take away from who he is and what the standard is. Like Paul, I've personally determined not to know anything but Christ and him crucified. That's always been kind of my life standard, that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection. You know, intimately, it's always been the deepest burning heart's desire in me to know Him personally. I still weep at the, thinking about the cross. And I've walked with Him almost 50 years. And I still have a tender heart like when I started and it comes and goes it, we can't always just always have a tender heart it gets tough I've been through tons of years of wilderness and fire and pain at times where you just you know the enemy's screaming for you to be done just be done he'd love nothing more than we quit and give up but by the grace of God, that's the grace of God to give us overpowering strength when we need it. 
The grace of God is not how far we can go in sin and not be judged or something. How goofy. The grace of God is, is strength that He gives us to live the life in Christ. He knows it's not easy. It's the hardest thing we could probably ever sign up for. He knew it. And even in the Western church, we don't even face persecution hardly. But we've got to be battle-hardened in these days, for the days ahead, for we don't even know how things are going to land. But we better be ready. We better know now where we're going to stand on any particular day. We better have our faith firmed up. Firm. So we can stand in that hour. Lord, that's, that's it, you know, God. It's always been my burning passion to know Him. From the earliest times, it was, it was just simply, I want to know you. Reveal yourself to me. When I first started out, I didn't know anything. I had to buy books on how to pray. I wanted to pray right. <laughs> I, I wanted to pray right really bad. I, I was scared I wouldn't pray right. So I wanted to pray right. I was a total novice. I had a tender heart. And I still have a tender heart. But I've learned a lot through the fire and the torment and the pain and walk through enough things where ultimately he gives he pours out wisdom because you're seeking wisdom you're seeking the counsel of God day in day day and night he's going to give you the counsel of God in any situation he's blessed me to have many sons and daughters around the globe and they're always needing instruction and counsel and God's given me a place to minister into their lives, in the lives of people I speak to across the nation and other countries. So I could at least be a vessel of righteousness. You know, I want to be a preacher of righteousness. You don't hear that anymore. Where are the preachers of righteousness? At my core, I'm an intercessor, and I'm a worshiper. Sounds like I have false teeth today. I'm a worshiper, I'm an intercessor, and I have been from day one. I was called to intercede. He ever lives to make intercession for the saints. He is the chief intercessor. So much of the time we think apostles and prophets and everything else, the fivefold, that's the greatness when he in intercession, he esteems intercession so high we can't even fathom. Because everything works by prayer and faith.
when I was a little kid. My mom was con continually surprised when I was just a little kid that I had words of knowledge quite frequently and I could tell things that were going to happen. I, could, I just had a gift. I just had a gift and back in those days they didn't know what prophets were and they didn't have a name for it. She didn't know what to call it. She had no clue what to call it. She just knew it was unusual. <laughs> I was unusual. Is that a surprise? <laughs> but I came to Christ in the early 70s. And I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in a remarkable way in 78. But I, I started in television. I spent over, I, I've spent over 40 years in television production. And, and global media. And I know that's still a great part of my call for the Billion Soul Harvest. So, but about 20 years ago, the Lord really came upon me in a profound way to teach me the depth of the blood. You know, I, I've always been in love with him, but I never understood the power of communion, the power of the blood, that in my daily life he wanted me to incorporate it. And back then I'd not heard of hardly anybody talking about that. But for me, he, it rang a bell like a big light bulb went on. And I, I knew he was saying he wanted me to really take this seriously and start taking communion every day, if not often. Jesus said, do it often, as often as you do it. Because there's so many benefits to it. But it keeps me face to face with Him at the cross. Every day. That's how we keep our first love. It's, it really helps. At the same time, the Lord, through intercession, the Lord began telling me, I'm going to start sending you on intercessory um, redemptive prayer assignments in secret. I'd never heard anybody doing that either. But he began a, a series of supernatural events. He began releasing a series of supernatural events to help me know I was hearing from him. And I'm not just making this up. Because I don't want to ever do anything for God that I think he would like me to do. This <laughs> is not something he's wanting me or calling me to walk out. But I want him to send me, just like you want him to send you or for the things you're supposed to be doing in your life and called to do, you know that God's calling you to do something or pray a certain way or give or go on trips. So, and, and he said, this is going to be so strategic, I want you to journal it. I want you to journal every day. I want you to journal. I want you to write down everything that happens every day as best you can. I want you to keep a careful log of the dreams, the prophetic words, the scriptures, how I laid it out, what I did, how I confirmed what you did. You're, the miracles and the things and the signs that I give you are going to be so, so stunning. You're going to need to keep a careful record of it. You're going to need to be able to look back years, years from now and see what I did as a roadmap. It'll be historic. So I did. I began. 
I began 18 years ago. And I continue to do it. I got these green journals. I was able to get these green journals. And um, they're 300-page journals that I started in 2000, and I'm on 51 now. And that's over 15,000 handwritten pages. That's the kind of journeys that, that they had me, you know, put down, but they're full of scriptures. There's something about treasuring the things of God. There's something about the scripture once you write it down yourself. Did you know the kings, David, Solomon, all the kings had to write out their own Torah? They all had to pen their own Torah. That takes a lot of time, but it's not just reading the word. It's best to, to read it out loud and you hear it. Faith comes by hearing the word. But when you write it down yourself, it gets in you more and more and more. When I first, first came, I absolutely memorized as much as I could. When I was 18, 19, 20 years old, I couldn't memorize enough scriptures. I just memorized. I just wanted to be able to go uh, share Christ with people. But I knew I had to get the word in me to go do that. No, I'm okay. Thanks for asking. I flow in... A stream of dreams and mysteries. That's really been a lot of my call, like John Paul Jackson. I spent many years with him, and he taught me a lot. Um, and I miss him. He passed in 15. He was a true prophet. Absolutely. And you know, he didn't ever even consider himself a true prophet. You know that? He believed it would take at least 30 to 40 years to become a real prophet. And he didn't even feel he had attained it yet. He never put the word prophet in front of his name. And now everybody's a prophet. What's up with that? Isn't that interesting? It makes me shake my head. They must have not heard him say that. It's God who assigns offices. I'm not saying they don't have prophetic gifting and they're not on their way to becoming a prophet. I'm just, again, it's perspective. Where are we? Where are we? I think so much of this, the 30 or 40 years of my preparation was fiery and it was wilderness and painful and it would never, ever, ever, ever let up. And in the midst of the worst of it, I would tell him, don't let up. Don't let up because I know this is what you need to do in me and I don't want you to stop. I want to become the full disciple you want me to be. I still do. I want to walk with Christ as a full, real disciple. 
that's got to be our mission personally for each of us is to be a real disciple he'd send me to countries he'd send me all over the place to in these prayer assignments and it had ultimately to, to bring redemption and break demonic strongholds over cities and nations he still sends me. I met Bob Jones in 2006 and spent the last eight years of his life almost helping to take care of him. And, uh, you know, he was a dear, dear friend to me. He's a father in the faith. And, you know, there's something about that as well in my life that the Lord had placed in me many, many years ago is this love to be around fathers and mothers of the faith. My own grandfather lived to be 98. My grandma lived to be 105. My other grandma lived to be 93. So I grew up being able to talk to them and ask them questions. And I'm like the family historian. I've always had a love for history. And I've always had this inquisitive mind, this burning to understand or to know things or tell you were there tell me what it was like tell me what happened that was a great joy to be around Bob being able to, to ask him those things I wasn't a groupie I just always wanted to hopefully I could shake his hand one day instead I was asked to be with with him and help take care of him and that was the biggest honor of my whole life. I never once pulled on him to ask for a prophetic word. How outrageous that would have that been. I was there to help take care of him and to listen to him, to be a friend. And uh, what an honor just that was. But I spent time with, with many mothers and the fathers of the faith through the years. Just by divine appointment, God would have me show up and things would happen. And I'd be sitting with somebody, uh, it was astounding, there's no way I could get to meet them and just sit and have conversations. I met Billy Graham twice, I was able to talk to him. Those are just divine appointments. It's just being where God wants you to be at the right time. I'm a witness. I'm a witness. We're all witnesses. I believe that. We're witnesses of the resurrection. I have to say this, the worship this morning was so beautiful. Thank you guys so much. It was so, so beautiful and the presence of the Lord is so thick here. I love His presence. The cross, the blood, the Word, and time alone in prayer intimacy it's my compass it should be all of our compass that's the anchor of our soul 
It's our first love as we walk out this oneness with Him. We can have the oneness with Him now. We should have the oneness with Him and the Father now. And He's cultivating the oneness with each other now too. It's not just unity. That's where the commanded blessing is, but He's so desiring the oneness in love and humility. You know, humility is one of the greatest missing ingredients. You know that? Honestly. In Matthew 18 it says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put in the midst of them three and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like a little child like this is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That's the sweetest thing. That's not just in coming to Christ, it's those who walk in the humility and the nature of Christ. It's the character of Christ that counts in our lives. The Father does not look at all of our giftings. He's not here to lift us up and put people on pedestals because of their giftings. We've just seen that thing. It's the biggest mess in the world. That should be a sign to all of us. Honestly. And the Lord's going to pull the rug out from a whole lot more things than, than we haven't seen yet. It's coming. I was here in June speaking at a King of Glory conference right here in Wilkesboro in June with Charlie Sham. In the power of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord was so on me one day that I said this, the Lord is about to absolutely rock the prophetic and charismatic church. That was early June. And I didn't know a thing in the natural about it, but it was on me so strong, you could cut it with a knife. But I know we're going to see more, and it's horrible. But he's cleaning his church, and he's making a demarcation of who's righteous, and who's going to live righteously, who's going to live uprightly, who are his. He's saying, who are mine? Choose you this day. If you're in sin, come out of it. Turn away from it. Live for God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's the grace to pull you out. That's the grace not to let you get to the edge. The grace is to pull you out so you can live a life worthy of the cross. We should be living lives worthy of the cross that he died on. It's the truth. He deserves nothing less. And he's tired of men parading around on platforms prostituting the gospel for money. It's the truth. And the church has been fleeced by wolves. And we can't even recognize the wolves. Don't judge. Oh my goodness. 
don't judge. You better be able to judge a situation. And he said, and from those turn away and have nothing to do with them. We have got to get firm lines within us about who we respect and who we don't, who we honor and who we don't. And we don't need to be worshiping men anymore, ever, ever again. That's idolatrous and it's wicked. And the church is filled with it. There's only one king. There's only one Lord. And unless whoever it is is lifting him up constantly, what are they doing? Because we can have pet doctrines, we can have, uh, I teach on this, and I teach on this, and I've got this whole subject on this, and you get all my books and tapes and everything else on this. But in the end, if it is not Christ-centered, alone, solely, if it doesn't come back to Him, what are we peddling? I sound really harsh. But we need a dose of something to wake us up and to keep us awake. God does need to thunder. I believe he's thundering now. He's thundering. Because it is a wake-up call for us. The great falling away is already happening. We're already in the midst of it. We're thinking maybe that's going to happen someday. We'll just see a bunch of people by the millions go off. Well, they went off. No, it's right happening right now. And I believe it's happening in our midst. That's why we personally, individually, each need to know where we are every day with Christ as Lord in our hearts and having our own lamps trimmed every day with oil the intimacy with Christ. It absolutely has to be the plumb line. Christ as the plumb line. The word is the plumb line. The cross, the blood, which we don't even hear preached anymore. David does, praise God. Jesus said, broad is the path that leads to destruction, and narrow is the path that leads to life, and few that be that find it. Few. For Jesus to say few, what is few? We better be in the few. You know that? It's having the preeminence of Christ ever before us, day in, day out.
Not because we have to, because we want to. We don't serve him out of obligation. We eat of the tree of life, not the tree of good and evil. If we're still under that, then you're going to be judging yourself back and forth all the time on all this stuff. Stop eating from the wrong tree. Eat from the tree of life. Where there's wholeness and freedom and joy, unspeakable. Psalm 96.6 says, Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Psalm 145.5 says, On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works, Lord, I will meditate. Psalm 27 says, One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in His temple every day, to inquire. He didn't make decisions on His own. He always went to the Lord to inquire. We think we've got God's direction on this or that, and we just go for it. But I don't know as we ask enough. Are you sure? Is this the way? Confirm it to me. Because he wants to keep us safe. He wants to keep us safe. He is a father. He is the shepherd. He cares for each one of you. He cares for our souls. He warns us about our hearts meditating, what our hearts meditate on, for out of it flow the issues of life. And we've got to just cover ourselves. We're truly coming into a time when we're going to understand and revel in the fear of God. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. He is beautiful and all his attributes are beautiful. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We were the joy set before him. Can you imagine everything flashing through his mind? It's hard to fathom what he walked out, really his whole life. The preeminence of Christ, where it's Christ alone, above all things in our lives, forever. I love that word. Paul talked about the preeminence of Christ. Truly, then we will have no other gods before us. There won't be room for idolatry. 
This is where we have to examine ourselves every day. I don't mind examining myself. And when I'm convicted, I'm happy to get rid of it. I don't have to hold on to things or holy cows or things that I think are so important. I want to be tested. I want it to be removed from me. I don't want to be found wanting. Oh my goodness. That I had all the time and I didn't use it wisely. God have mercy on all of us and help redeem the time in our lives. That's what he's great at. We can be knocked out for what it seems like 10 years and feel like we can never get back. But that's the power of a redeeming, loving God to get us back on our feet, back in the race, as though we never missed a beat. That's the power of salvation. You know that? I know what that's like. I've seen it countless times. And I preach it and I encourage it. And I've seen the power of God rescue lives and families and turn everything around. Signs and wonders are not just for healing and what we can see. All those things are signs and wonders. We have signs and wonders in our daily lives all the time. We're so used to it, we just don't see it for what it is. But when we're in awe of God, His majesty every moment all the time, then He lights us up every day. Because He's constantly releasing those good gifts every day. And is being thankful every day for everything. Because we take things for granted. At times I take things for granted and have to catch myself and go, what am I thinking? What am I thinking? I have to be thankful all the time. Ephesians 1.20 says this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom, of revelation, and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He's called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The commanding king, Jesus Christ. Are we in love, in total abandoned love with Jesus? The person of Jesus, thankful, praiseworthy. We need only to seek his face and to seek his beauty. We, 
we get so zealous sometimes. We get so excited because we're seeking the Lord. I truly believe it. We're searching for the Lord, seeking Him, understanding truth, wanting to go deeper, 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 higher. It's important. Our whole lives, we're thirsting. We're growing. It's really important that we do that. That's how we got here. Because we're thirsty. We're in love. But in our consuming of all these things and knowledge, we can get to the point where we're ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Some have. And that, that really shows those that are missing out on the character. And they can walk in all the signs and wonders, but they're denying the very power that God can transform their own personal life and keep it transformed. And that's what God wants for all of us. It's good to be seeking. But it cannot just be head knowledge. We cannot just cons consume, consume, consume more revelation, more revelation. You know, what's the latest, greatest? What angels came to us? What people from the great cloud came to us? Who's taught me for the past two years besides Enoch or somebody? It's a litany. And you don't hear this very often, but it's the truth. I want to be taught of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. I do. The Holy Spirit's the one who taught me all this. He said he'd teach us. It's not that God can't send somebody from the great cloud or an angel. He sent me angels before. He shaked me silly. He's shaken me silly in my life before with angels appearing. And that's why they always say, don't be afraid. Because you're scared to death. <laughs> if one of them really manifests in your room. We talk so loosely about all these things. I'm saying because of that we lose our grounding. We lose our grounding and our footing. What is the footing? Where's the righteous path? What did the disciples sound like when they talked? What did the early church, what did they really sound like? Did they, do we sound like them? I ask that often of myself, of the Lord. Within me I'm thinking, is this how it was? They were astonished because they saw it firsthand. But they were living in perilous times, in fear of their lives, because they preached the real gospel. And they were hated for it. He's looking for a company of people that will be like the true disciples in the beginning, and the power of Holy Spirit's returning again, that will be upon true disciples again. And I'm not just putting down spiritual encounters. I've had my share and probably more than most. 
so I can speak from both sides honestly what does it profit me like Paul being a Hebrew of Hebrews having all of that and he said he counted it as dung for the excellency of Christ Yeah, I've had, I have, I've had an angel, probably a very powerful angel come and grab me by the shoulders in the night, sound asleep, and grab me to sitting up uh, out of a deep sleep, terrified me. I had no clue what was happening. Literally be grabbed by your shoulders, sat up in bed, and be scared to death, shaking, every cell in your body shaking because of the presence of God. And the audible voice of God thunders Acts 4.31. That's all I heard, Acts 4.31. I was absolutely terrified. This was three and a half years ago. And it says this, And when they had prayed, Acts 4.31, the place where they were shaken, was they were, they were assembled together, where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Why would God come to me, grab me out of a sound sleep, terrify me to death, to give me that scripture? I wasn't seeking him. I wasn't ascending. I wasn't trying to get somewhere. I'm just me. But through the years, he's revealed so much depth to that in what he's, he's coming again. Because the place where they had gathered wasn't a building. In Greek, it said the region. Pentecost had happened just weeks before this. And they were absolutely threatened in the temple. John and, and Peter were threatened not to preach again, and they were beaten for it. And Peter prayed the most eloquent, eloquent prayer, crying out to the Lord for boldness. He knew they needed more boldness. Peter was already bold on Pentecost. He was already bold. And he knew they needed more boldness. So he prays this prayer, Lord, take note of their threats. And stretch forth your hand through your holy child, Jesus. That we may have healings and signs and wonders and boldness. And the Holy Spirit came crashing on that place greater than the day of Pentecost. And that place wasn't a building, it was the region of Jerusalem. He crashed Jerusalem. And the disciples were never the same after that. With a greater empowerment than they had on Pentecost. That's what's coming back to the church. The greater than Pentecost is coming. Why would God wake me in the night? Because he wanted me to, to tell and herald this news. God's going to shake entire regions, cities, and nations under his power. 
He didn't nullify Pentecost, he just increased it exponentially. But I didn't start worshiping angels after that. I had many other encounters before that. It's still Jesus. We end up looking for signs and wonders more than the one who's called wonderful. Error and a counterfeit gospel and counterfeit Jesuses are coming in everywhere. Because you hear his name, it doesn't mean the same thing. That's why we got to have the discerning of spirits like never before. God, give us the discerning of spirits. Give us discernment. The church doesn't need anything more than that. More importantly in this moment is discernment. Know those who labor among you. And he says, the word says in 2 Thessalonians, that he turns them over to a strong delusion so they would believe the lie. He even turns them over to the delusion because they didn't have a love for the truth. They didn't love the truth of the word so much they were, they were okay to go off with some other goofy gospel. We need to trash more than we think. And this, the winds of doctrine going around these days. We don't test things. He said test the spirits whether they be of God. My goodness. Where's our litmus test? Where's our testing kit? We better get it out. It can only be Holy Spirit. If we know his voice we won't go astray. But many are listening to some other voice they think is him because they never learned to know his voice. That makes me want to weep. It, tear, it just tears me up because they're believers. They're being taken away. It's prevalent. It's not just here or there. The mega churches with watered down gospels. It's where we're at individually. That's what counts. If you took a poll of everyone, you can't just broad brush everything. I'm not out searching for it. I'm just here to trumpet it. I'm here to trumpet the truth. I believe that even the mystical movement has error in it. Serious error in it. But they wouldn't want to hear it. Only Holy Spirit can open our eyes to the things we believe. I'm not saying it's all should be flushed down the toilet. 
But I'm saying it should be under greater inspection. And no one's doing it. No one's inspecting. We've just lost any sense of what he sees and demands as holy. But he's coming to set the standard. I truly believe that he loves his church, his bride, his people enough to show the truth. Because he's coming back for her, that pure and spotless bride. He knows those who are his. And he cherishes them. He cherishes everybody. He's not willing anybody should perish. But each of us have a will. And what are we willfully following? I will to choose Jesus alone. Signs and wonders only confirm the preaching of the gospel of Christ. They're not meant to bring people to Christ. It's God's way of confirming they're preaching the gospel. What's the gospel of Christ? God's Son sent into the earth. He lived a life righteously before God. He was the Son of God who laid his life down willingly. He died on a cross, was raised again from the dead three days later to sit at the right hand of the Father. And the apostolic teachings, the true doctrine of the church, we're coming back to that. It doesn't need addendums. We've added on addendums. It's repulsive. I had a dream recently where I was in a building and uh, I'm going to wrap up with this. I was, in a, I was in a building and there was a river of water up to my chest. I'm suddenly in this, this river and the current is going against me. If I don't hold my ground it can shove me back. So I am with all my might trying to step forward in the current, raging against me. And I'm stepping step after step to make headway, to make ground in this river. But the river is filthy. It's polluted. It's disgusting. And I'm trying to walk against the current. And suddenly my Bible, this Bible, this 35-year-old Bible comes floating down the river next to me in the dream. It's being washed away. And I reached out and grabbed it. By the grace of God, I grabbed my Bible and lifted it up and it was fine. But that's the interpretation. There's such a current of filth and pollution we're up against right now 
It's only going to be the Word of God that's lifted up that makes a difference. That is the truth. And that's just not the world in our worldly culture. That's the church. What we call the church is this polluted river. And we can't even see it. We need purity glasses or something. We do. We need new eyes to see. God give us eyes to see. This is what he died and paid for. He's coming to rescue it. He's coming to make a difference. He loves you. He loves this church. He loves those who are listening around the world. He loves us as his body. He's jealous over us. We are his treasures. He didn't die for us to come and get halfway here and be taken away. If you don't believe your name can be blotted out of the Lamb's Book of Life, you're kidding yourself. It says it. And there are those trying to rewrite Revelation. Saying the tribulation's already happened. Such folly. <laughs> I'll close with this one little story. It's about a martyr. It's about a girl named Anne Askew. The Lord on, you know, my hundreds and hundreds of historic journeys around the world through the years, the Lord's put a special place in my heart for the martyrs for whatever reason. I've always had a tender spot for those who are willing to give their all. You know, just the idea of coming to that place, you didn't ask for it. But she's in England in 1546, and the Catholic Church is in power. And the Reformation been raging for 20 years. And she's 25 years old in London. She loves the Lord with all her heart. And she's out preaching in the streets of London boldly at 25 years old with what's called a commoner's Bible. They were smuggled into England by William Tyndall. And if you were caught with them, you'd die or go to the tower or both. She's out preaching the gospel in the streets to win people to Christ. And the, the authorities are all Catholic. But here's so burning in her heart to win people to Christ because she doesn't believe in transubstantiation, what the Catholic Church teaches about communion. She's not railing against the Catholic Church, she's trying to win people to Jesus. She has two small children. Her husband had divorced her because of her faith. Well, they arrest her and they take Anne to the tower. 
this young, precious girl. They take to the tower and they put her on the rack so they can get her to denounce her faith. They put her hands and her legs in shackles and they stretch her and stretch her, ultimately breaking her wrist and breaking her ankles. Imagine that kind of torment. Absolute sheer agony. Cripple, crippling pain. And then throw her in a cell with no care. And the one thing she requests is a, a pen, a writing instrument, and some paper. So she can write poetry to Jesus. And her poems, you can look it up. She still has poems to this day you can find. A-S-K-E-W, A-N-S-K-E-W. Imagine she's still in love with him, willing to go all the way. And in that kind of torment and pain, still saying, I love you. I'm faithful to you. I want to be faithful. And that he would ultimately take me to London one day on a journey and to go find her, so to speak. And to go find where they burn her at the stake. He's had me do that many times. Just to go sit. Just to go sit where someone had been. Yeah, they took her from the tower and they executed her by burning her at the stake. In Smithfield. And there's a plaque in a little park. It's people like that that makes me realize they were true disciples too. I want to stand to the end as a true disciple. Whatever comes. And I want to be a true father in the faith that loves his kids and loves his kids. And warns and protects and nurtures. And builds up and approves and strengthens. So praise God. Let's just stand. <laughs> Can you play that song? That ancient, yeah. I'd never heard ancient words before. That was beautiful. you Lord Jesus for this day thank you that you brought us all together here for this it's sweet we just love you we just praise you we just give you glory and praise we just thank you that you've watched down through the ages you birthed the church 
you paid the price for the church. I just thank you for your healing balm to come down among everyone here today. I thank you for the power of the cross, the redemptive power, Lord Jesus, in every one of our lives. Thank you for this family, this church family at the gathering. Thank you, Lord God, they hold together as one in Christ under the banner of the cross. I thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness to have a, a faithful shepherd such as David White. I thank you, God, for your faithfulness upon this man. I thank you for your plans for this house. I thank you, Jesus, for your greater work which is coming to Moravian Falls. I praise you that this is your place. You're the only king on this mountain, Lord Jesus. There is no one else. There may be many people who own land, but you're the only Lord of all. So, Lord, have your way today. Search us, cleanse us, wash us. You know where we're all at. We're all frail without you. I thank you that you do remember who we are in each of our states. I thank you for bringing lost family members home. I thank you, God, there's an urgency and a cry on many of their hearts in this house for their loved ones, their sons, daughters, grandkids, brothers, sisters to come back. I agree today with you, Holy Spirit, for releasing that power, to, that redemptive power to come upon them with the truth, that there be a release of an awakening today to everyone listening within the sound of my voice, that they would hear the cry of the Father, come home. They'd come home. I pray you'd strengthen your people, Lord, everyone listening, that you would embolden us to be bolder than we are. Send the power Peter cried out for to be bolder. God, give us strength to become the disciples, the men of God, the women of God you've called us to be as your righteous vessels. Give us hope. Weed out the things that don't belong, Lord. Kill holy cows that don't belong in our lives. We lay everything down before you under your inspection. That's the meaning of visitation in Greek is inspection. So come and visit, Lord. Come inspect. And bring your habitation. That's what's coming for this house is habitation. I've seen it. I've seen it for years. It's coming. And I thank you for the revival that's coming to this place, God, with so many they can't take it in. You're preparing the ground now, Lord, and it's not going to get spoiled. Thank you, Jesus. We commit our lives in these things this day. Holy Spirit, just have your way. I thank you for the true release today again of signs, wonders, and miracles today in this congregation and those listening who need God for you to move in their lives for dramatic miracles against disease, against cancer. I praise you, God. I release that overcoming light of the resurrection in everyone's life, oh God, to come to the higher standard of the covenant that you died and paid for. We've been living under, under 
your covenant standard, Lord Jesus. Raise us up to your covenant standard. We love you with all our heart and our mind and our soul and our strength, Lord. And we're not ashamed to call you Christ as Lord of our lives. And I bless this people in Jesus' name. Amen.